0: everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the super fantastic nerd hour. We are on episode 12. And, exactly. And we are going to be <laughs> doing a summer blockbuster preview and I am here with my co-host Ali Matu. Hello Ali.
1: How's it going, Conrad? I'm here with H.A. Conrad. We're talking summer movies. We're also throwing in two Hollywood heavyweights into the Infinite Crossover Chamber today. We're throwing in Michael Bay versus Steven Spielberg, two kings of summer movies. Uh, What do we have on our top five today, Conrad?
0: Top five are our top favorite blockbusters. And I will tell you, this is maybe one of the most difficult lists I've had to put together.
1: It's it's tough because, you know, how do you define, like, a summer blockbuster? Well, we're going to get into this, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it was a hard one for me, too. Um, More because
0: there's so many choices out there. Yeah. And then you yeah. think of one and it leads you down the rabbit hole to thinking of another one. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I yeah, want yeah. all the films to be listed. <laughs> but we did not. We limited it to five. Not, um, not, so- not five that is actually bent into six just five
1: Uh, i think you might be referencing uh, something you did in our culture and comics episode conrad i was so confused writing up the show notes but that was a different episode so um getting into summer movies you know we wanted to we were pretty excited about this episode putting it together and um i thought it would be a nice place to start um kind of Thinking about the business model and how the summer movie season is so different from the other movie seasons.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there is definitely, I mean, the first, I I guess the first, well, no, not I guess, the first blockbuster movie, summer blockbuster movie was Jaws.
1: Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg's film. Steven
0: Spielberg came out in 1975. I'm very well acquainted with this particular film.
1: This film gave me a phobia of being in open water, no joke.
0: It did me as well, but I did have a ridiculously strange fascination with it. <laughs> um it was one of those films that I would watch with my cousins or with my brothers and sisters, and I also would not go into the water for many, many moons after watching this film, and this included water and, like, swimming pools and stuff like that. Um, (laughs) But I was also fascinated by it and fascinated by the whole film. It was one of those films where I just had to just keep watching it.
1: So... So you know what I would do after watching this? So I was, uh, I don't know how old I was, but I was in elementary school at some time when I saw this film, um, saw, saw it on VHS. And we had a, a bathtub in our uh, bathroom. And I would stand above on the edges of the tub, not inside, like on the bottom of the tub where normal people stand, but on the edges because I thought a great white shark might come through the drain and try <laughs> to bite me. And if I I stood on the edges, I had a chance of jumping to safety. I did that for like two years, and I never told <laughs> anyone and I told my mom eventually, and she like hit me upside the edge. She's like, Oh my God, you could slip and and hurt yourself doing that and so I stopped it.
0: well, you know, talking to my mother actually about jaws, uh, she th- th- said it was just total craziness because. It just—it was something that everybody it was like. Had you gone to see it, um, you know, there was all these gimmicks surrounding it. There was all this—these weird things um, that happened. There was—there was actually a shark tank with a small shark in some movie theater, I think, that she had seen, and she—she—she she, she was in uh, upstate New York, I think, at the time, and she—you know—who puts a shark in a movie you know what i mean like (laughs) the the, the types of things that surrounded this were, were like nothing that had ever happened. And also it had an extremely long run. It just kind of kept going. So, so summer blockbuster was born with this particular film.
1: Yeah. It's also like the, the whole idea of a shark in a shark tank at a movie theater that taps into what, how jaws changed everything with the summer movies, the advertising that went into this, the campaign that went into this um, was so different than uh, the movies that had come before. And it was a, It's the point at which a movie became like a a cultural event to do um, and to do over and over again and to see again. And you had these long lines, people waiting in anticipation that never happened before for for um, for movies.
0: Right. And I mean, people are people have been obsessed about this film. There's this great thing that uh, Bill Wadman found online and it was like this guy and he does this with a few films he does this with indiana jones and i will i will find it for the show notes and it's just it's gives you a different perspective of of watching jaws mm-hmm. um it's um i will have to to find input put in the show notes but it's basically this guy that has gone like he points out different things within the film that you never would notice and and once you see it you can't unsee it. And mm. I who I thought I had seen every single thing about this film noticed things that he was pointing out and I was like, I can't believe I never noticed that, you know? Um mm-hmm. so it's 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 just one of those films that has just an enormous following, continues to have an enormous following and and I think will probably continue to do so. And- I, I for one could possibly I'm not totally admitting to this, but maybe every year for my birthday, um, have a viewing of this film. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that this was a good place to start. But I think blockbusters and the business of blockbusters have evolved into something a little bit different.
1: Yeah. And the whole idea of a tentpole movie Um, I think it kind of taps into the whole uh, business model. And, you know, movie studios are basically um, they're they're making gambles on on movies that they're going to fund movies that they're going to make in the hope that these movies are going to make them more in the box office sales than they did in the cost that it takes to make them. And movie studios try to spread out their financial risk during the year. They try to make a lot of small budget movies, cheap movies that are like really dependable, reliable to make money back. Um, they, ma- they try to make some movies that are going to be uh, Oscar bait. And we talked about what makes for an Oscar winning movie in our Oscar episode and why sci-fi hasn't ever won a best picture, but that's that's the other episode. But then they try to make these tent pole movies that are really big events and the idea is they're going to put a lot of money into it, but um, these movies are going, to, are going to be very reliable and making a lot of money back, and they are going to sort of hold up the tent for other summer movies, and they're going to keep the studio sort of afloat. Um, but the, the thing about that is, to be a tentpole movie, to be a movie that is not going to have a lot of financial risk, and it's going to return a lot of money you have to make sure a movie has a lot of broad appeal. Well, right. And that has implications for the quality of the movie and the script and the stories that we end up seeing and the actors we end up seeing.
0: Well, right. And you also have to, I mean, I also think that there is definitely something to the summer season in terms of the types of movies that people want to see. You know, I I think it's become the, the blockbuster and the idea of blockbuster has become, you know, pe- people want to go and see a popcorn flick. They don't necessarily want to see something seriously heavy. But mm-hmm. I I also think that that is underestimating the movie-watching population. Um, because I think when you do have such broad appeal, yes, some of those films can be a lot of fun, and they're they're so ridiculous, so you kind of enjoy that to some extent, but... I do think that there is a place to have better filmmaking in those blo- within that genre, and we have seen it.
1: What do you think's lacking in most of these blockbusters, in most of these tent poles?
0: I just think um, it's you know, you see, you see some very shallow scripts, shallow character development. there's um, just a lot of, usually you see a lot of explosions. I can't imagine who I might be thinking of right now. Um, (laughs) maybe
1: an individual who appears in a crossover
0: perhaps um but it's it doesn't necessarily have to be that way um and you can have smart script writing and i know i had mixed feelings about the avengers Mm -hmm. but i also thought that there was a lot of good examples within that film that where they were not treating the audience like they were stupid
1: Oh, the script was the script was better and the dialogue was a lot better than we see in most of those superhero movies. And I think that came down to Joss Whedon and his ability to do a good ensemble piece.
0: Right. Which and it was an ensemble Buffy piece. And Fire,
1: Firefly and Avengers. Um, yeah, it was yeah. an
0: ensemble piece and definitely, I you know, second watch. It didn't hold up as well, but it was a lot of fun to see in the in the theater.
1: Yeah. Well, and speaking of another um, superhero blockbuster, um, I think The Dark Knight um, does a great job at, at being a bit smarter blockbuster. And it had some interesting social commentary. It had some ideas The um, towards the end. It had a bit of a prisoner's dilemma and um, it got the gears turning in your head a little bit more than um, many blockbusters do. So, it, you know, I think we've seen these examples. And I mean, even going back to Jaws. Jaws is not a dumb movie.
0: No, but it is also, but it does have a level of cheesiness to some parts of it, you know? Sure. Um, And they're not, I don't want to say cheesiness, but they're, yeah, I mean, you know, there's all these, there's men and they're out on the boat and getting the shark, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like,
1: So Conrad, you just pretty much described the whole plot of that movie.
0: No, just the second half of that.
1: Well, I mean, there, there are some cheesy elements to Jaws and spoiler alert, you know, the whole moment with the barrel and the gun and what happens to the shark. It's, it's very much one of those stereotypical blockbuster movie moments where the whole crowd in the audience wants to like scream. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think it was a movie that is suspenseful without being necessarily, um, over the top, um, and, you know, we 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 have had some smarter blockbuster films, but it's I think a lot of studios when it comes time to sort of um, green lighting these films, they try to have that broad appeal. They try to they have do. something They they want something that works for boys and girls, men and women, and now increasingly international markets. You know, the international market is becoming a greater and greater percentage of all the gross revenue that these movies make, so they have to have even more broad appeal that will work in other countries as well.
0: Well, they do, but that's also sometimes problematic, as we shall see. Um, yeah. But it's, you know, yes, Jaws. I, I think Jaws it was written well; the script was great. But I think it also had a high, like it had a sense of humor about it too. It wasn't it wasn't afraid to poke a little bit of fun at itself. And I think that that's part of the formula or at least the formula I like to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and you did see a little bit of that in the Avengers, even though you also had the big explosions and things like that. So, yep.
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Dark Knight. I mean,
0: Dark, Dark Knight, Knight is
1: a little humor um, in there. But it, it, these there are these big moments um, where you have um, the action, the adventure, the set pieces. Right. Um, you have these, so you have these major explosions, you have the set pieces, you have the good guys and bad guys, and with these good guys and bad guys, it's very, um, it's very all or nothing. There's not a lot of gray here. You don't really have too many, um, antagonists who, um, who are not completely 100% bad guys. Um, uh, so you know, I, I think what you what you and I are saying is we do we love some of the blockbuster films that give us a little bit more than what we've come to expect from most Hollywood summer big budget movies.
0: Um, I but but that's but the other thing is, is that, you know what? I sometimes do like those mindless crazy films mm-hmm. in the summertime. I just don't want them all to be like that.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. I mean, my my top five has a lot of those. <laughs> that's a lot of those, like, has one very big one that is kind of a mindless summer movie, and the moment you start thinking about it, it just kind of collapses on itself. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they, they can be fun. Um, but it doesn't but necessarily the,
0: the, mean they have to be bad. You know what I mean? So, I yeah. don't know. But then, you know, there's also, there's been a lot of difficulty with some of these, what, what the, what um, some of the people in the business would hope would be really successful movies, and you know, last summer especially was not a good summer for the blockbuster.
1: Yeah, can we talk about last summer a little bit? Oh yes,
0: I would love to because it's it's very interesting. Just one specific phenomenon that happened. <laughs>
1: So, uh, what what phenomenon are you talking about?
0: Well, uh, what I am talking about is Sharknado.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, let's talk Sharknado. I, you know, I haven't seen it. Um, I, I wish I saw it because my Twitter feed went crazy the day it came out. Um, everyone was talking about this movie.
0: So the thing is, the Sci-Fi Channel does this. They do this every summer. They do it pretty much year round, and they'll like come up with some cheesy premise of, you know, whatever it's going to be. Um, you know, they they have fun with it. They play with the the horror genre and specifically the very cheesy unbelievable horror genre. And this was, you know, I saw the ads start to uh come out for this and I I thought it was a joke. I did. Yeah. I didn't and think for, it, I didn't,
1: for the 1% of you who don't know what the premise is, it's basically a tornado gobbles up sharks and now a tornado is coming towards people with, with sharks inside, right?
0: Right. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's massive strange weather system <laughs> and these specific sharks have some, I don't know, I don't even remember the entire premise of it. But, you know, you'd, you'd start to see these ads come out and it was just so ridiculous and silly. And it really, I thought it was just a parody. I didn't think it was actually a real film. Um yeah. when I first started seeing the trailers I was like oh that's pretty funny and you know they they do a lot of riffs on jaws there's actually like they pull direct dialogue and just totally totally play with this like and it just gets to the point of ridiculousness it stars a lot of B movie stars that have had bitter days um <laughs> it's you know the effects are are super cheesy and terrible um, but it's, you know, people were very excited about it because it was so bad. It was like they were celebrating the badness of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was also not supposed to be released in like theaters. This was this was on the sci-fi channel. It gained so much traction that they decided to actually release this in, in theaters. And there was a bit of a problem it, it was actually
1: out in some theaters.
0: Yeah, they actually had some screenings with this. And the problem was is that it wasn't meant to be on the big screen. <laughs> like, this is a very low-budget film. Um, so, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely a B movie. I'd even call it, like, a C movie. Um, but it, people just loved it. And what was really weird about it was that this was much more successful than some of the things that actually came out that were put out by the big studios.
1: So, that's what I was going to get into. I was going to get into the um how much the box office was overwhelmed by these big budget 10 pole- like movies how uh you know and and that's one of the big criticisms that's come out is last year the mo- you know the, there were a lot of them week after week you know we had we had iron man 3 and then i think we had star trek into darkness and we had world war z right after that and then we had another movie after that and it was it was really kind of overwhelming the amount of stuff that was out there there was also some pretty big busts that happened as well um the uh, the big Disney loser, which was uh, Lone Ranger, which I think is a good reason why it lost for its casting Johnny Depp in the role of a Native American and all of that. Um, there's that issue. But um, a lot of studios didn't do as well as anticipated. Um, the other big loser was After Earth. Um, and that movie had a lot of movie had a lot of money pumped into it and it just wasn't that great of a movie but the summer movie season was pretty overcrowded pretty overwhelmed um and movies didn't do as well as they thought so how does how does sharknado fit into all of that
0: well i mean this is a film that was made just for their normal you know their their sci-fi viewers it was just a sci-fi original film and it had a budget of two hundred thousand, I think, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and I, basically, when the trailer started coming out, you started to see this trend on Twitter, and so I think that it was a combination of a very smart social media campaign on the Sci-Fi Channel's part, but also people just started picking it up, and it went viral, and yeah. to the point where they were like, "Okay, well, we're gonna do, we're gonna do." Um, we're going to put, put this up again and, and repeat it so that, that more people can see it because of the publicity. And most of the, most of the publicity happened through Twitter. I mean, I know I saw most of the information that that we're talking about on there. Well, um,
1: and if, if you compare that and juxtapose that against a lot of the movies that we did have last summer, there was a ton of disaster porn. Right? There was a ton of ridiculous things happening, worlds being destroyed. We, we heard that uh, Inception sound over and over and over again in all the movie trailers last year. Um, so in, in a way, Sharknado can make, was... Can you make
0: that Inception sound again?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: Uh, so we had a lot, uh, we, we saw a lot of that. Um, last year, and we've seen that for many years, and it seems like so many movies, Man of Steel, Star Trek Into Darkness, um, were trying to evoke sort of this uh, terrorism 9-11 type of aesthetic without really, well, I think Star Trek Into Darkness probably got closer with the terrorism analogy, Um, but they were trying to evoke these scenes of mass destruction, and here you have Sharknado, which is Carrying all of that and it's it's not a serious like it's not trying to be serious oh no and it's and
0: it's it's totally you know um it's not it's shameless i guess it's shameless in how bad it is yeah and it doesn't have any sort of a real well i guess it does have a loose plot but it's um people just enjoyed how bad it was and to the you know they did the box office, when they actually did hold this in the theater, didn't do extraordinarily well, but it did do very well if you consider that the budget was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> it um, did
1: extremely well. Yeah, and it's got that. a sequel
0: on the way, and they sold yeah. merchandise. Um,
1: I think it's called Sharknado Two: The Sequel, or another one, or it's it's called something like that.
0: <laughs> nice, um, but it's. You know, it's just one of those things, that, you know, I think it was just fun. It was fun and people enjoyed celebrating together how bad it was.
1: Well, and so the I think it speaks to some of the I mean, if, sure, it's funny and all of that, but I think it also speaks to some of the frustration that we have with these movies, like um, I know you're not a big fan of the 3D, um, yeah. um, the 3D effect, and as to anyone who's seen our album art, we're both nerds. We both have glasses, and it's just hard yeah. to wear. It's hard to wear the 3D glasses on top of your glasses. But there's very few movies where I have actually really felt like the 3D has added something. I'm thinking Avatar is one. Um, pfft, that's you know, that's about it. I want to say the warp effect in Star Trek in the Darkness I enjoyed in 3D, but I didn't need it for the rest of the movie. There's I mean, is there any other is there any 3D movie that you felt you got more out of from the well, 3D? Well,
0: I saw Gravity in 3D. Oh, well, of
1: course. Yeah. And yeah, I yep. think
0: that just the way it was done was pretty slick and I would say that's one of the few films and Avatar as well where yeah. I think that it added to the viewing experience, but generally I don't it's it's hard on my eyes.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. hard on my eyes, too, and it's hard on my wallet. So we've got um, here in New York City, where both, both of us live, you're looking at um, anywhere between 15 to $20 um, for a film ticket and a little bit more than that for 3D. So we have, if you look at last year, just in May alone, we had four major movies coming out. Uh, last year, we had Iron Man three, Star Trek Into Darkness, World War Z, and there's one more. I'm, I'm blanking out on. Um, maybe it was Man of Steel at, at July 4th. Um, you're spending more than hundred dollars to see all four of those films. So compare that against when Jaws came out, and the only really film to see was Jaws. Well, oh, you know, true. Of course, everyone's going to go see it. So I think we're kind of overwhelmed. These movies cost a lot to see. I don't think we're getting a lot more from the added 3D. And I think well, Hollywood is taking note. Hollywood.
0: I also think that the theater experience now has become so frustrating for a lot of people, including myself. Um when especially when you're spending that much money to go and see a th- film in the theater and you have to deal with a lot of horrible fellow moviegoers.
1: Yeah. Yeah, what, at least, what are, in, at what least are your... in New
0: York, I I just there are people that will have full on phone conversations in the theater while you're watching the film, or they'll be um, taking photos in the theater, which is <laughs> really odd. Or texting
1: um, in the bright light of the cell phone kind of totally takes you out of the movie.
0: Right, and I don't mean to be grumpy about it, and I am very happy to see that there have been some. Um, uh, the Alamo Draft House is opening a couple of uh, theaters in New York and they basically take their movie watching very seriously. There's no texting, no talking, and they serve food, which is fun within the theater. Yeah, and
1: you know, yeah. there's there these nice kind of premium theaters are really are really a fun experience. When I um when I used to live in L.A., I went to Arclight Cinema, which was one of my favorites over there, where you had assigned seating. They had uh, better food, better drinks. It cost a little bit more, but you got so much more. But it's
0: not that much more compared to what you're already paying. So, no, no. And that's uh, Nighthawk in Williamsburg also does this. And, I, you know, I, I'll admit that a lot of the horror films I watch, I don't necessarily want to be eating food. <laughs> sure. <laughs> just Your zombie movies <laughs> you probably I don't I have a hard time like eating while watching those films. Um, but I I just think that when I think of going to see a summer movie, that's the experience that I want. I want to go and I love, I actually do love watching it with an audience, but because yeah. there is this camaraderie that you don't get from watching it at home. But I think a lot of people now prefer watching it at home because first of all, it's cheap. It's cheaper um you know you have the ability to have projectors and you can get them and they're not that expensive i mean as you know we host movie nights at my at, um my abode um for for a lot of our friends and that you replicate
1: ex- you got it's it's so much fun because you guys replicate that experience. You've got about ten fifteen people over. you have a big screen projector set up. You guys pass out movie snacks and I grab my sour patch pack and I hoard that and you guys make well other people all bring all them stuff. too
0: though so people bring their favorite yeah. movie candy. It's fun and it's
1: it's that whole experience that we're talking about.
0: Right. But even in that crowd, sometimes we have to sort of tell people to not text, you know. <laughs> so it's this thing where people don't want to to, to, to shut off the the outside world. What? And I think that, you know, just enjoy the film, guys. That's part what? of it.
1: And, you know, so we've got um, we've got a great IMAX theater here in, um, in New York City, the the Lincoln Square AMC IMAX, mm-hmm. which is the only real IMAX in the theater. All the other ones are the Fomax, which I'm, I'm not a fan of, which yeah. they IMAX basically uh, leased out their brand name to AMC theaters and they can have smaller screens that aren't the real IMAX screens, but charge more for it. I'm not a fan of that. I hate those screens. But there's one IMAX theater at Lincoln Square. Lincoln Square, and um, they have assigned seating. So that cha- that's a game changer in New York City because of how quick the shows sell out over here because there's so many people living in the city. You have to usually show up an hour early, hour and a half early sometimes to even get a decent seat. And we're not talking the release of the movie weekend. We're talking weekend's In Like weekend two, weekend three. So I like those little premium features. And that's why I like the IMAX form form factor as well. Um, There's a great interview that we'll link to in the show notes between um, George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. And they talk about the future of cinema. And Spielberg says um, there's eventually going to be a big meltdown. There's going to be an implosion where three or four or maybe even a half dozen of these mega-budgeted movies go crashing into the ground, and there's, it's going to change the paradigm. That's something we saw this past summer a little bit. And Lucas continues saying, you're going to end up with fewer theaters, bigger theaters, with lots of nice things. Going to the movies will cost 50 bucks, or 100 or or 150 bucks, like Broadway costs today or a football game. It'll be a big, expensive thing the movies will sit in the theaters for a year like Broadway shows do and they will be called the, it will be called the movie business so i think i don't know if we're going to see all of that happen but i think one of the things that is the future of all of this is going to the movies for Big movie experiences that you can't have at home, I'm thinking stuff like Avatar or Gravity, stuff that really needs that big form factor and nicer theaters, these kind of premium experiences. And then other stuff, we're going to see more like we did with Veronica Mars, where it's going to be on demand, where you watch it at home, where you watch it on your big screen at home, or maybe your small iPad, whatever you want.
0: Right. Um, But as as interesting as this topic is, I think we need to start talking about some of the films that are going to be coming up this year or this summer.
1: Let's do it because I really. Well, uh, I'm I'm excited about some. There's some I'm hesitant about and there's some that I'm kind of angry about. So (laughs) um, what do you think? Let's get started. And, you know, next week we're going to be reviewing Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Um, so we don't have to talk about this one too much, but isn't it kind of fun? I mean, this is a big budget movie and it's coming out in April.
0: Yeah. Um, but I think that they are doing this deliberately. I think it's definitely the springboard by which they hope all the others will be as successful. I don't know. He's kind of the, the, uh, the opening act for the summer movie season.
1: Yeah, and it's also Marvel Studios' film, and they have another one coming on later this summer, which we're going to talk about in a bit. So I I guess I have to spread them out a bit. Yeah. But it is kind of an earlier beginning. I think in April last year, we had um, the Oz movie. Um, I forgot what it was called. Was it just called Oz or Oz the Great and Magnificent or something like that?
0: Oz the Uh, Terribly Bad Movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, there's that too. Um, So that kind of came out in April. But I feel like this is a bigger budgeted, even kind of bigger opening. But
0: oh, yeah, and it's I'm excited to see it. I'm planning to see it this week. Are you?
1: yeah yeah well we're gonna see it this week we'll we'll review it uh it'll be it will be up next week um so stay tuned for our take on Captain America the Winter Soldier
0: um as the as the season goes on though there's some really great ones there's a little bit of a trio of movies that I'm really excited to see Mm -hmm. um Godzilla
1: I'm really pumped for this one the
0: trailer looks amazing it looks very cool I that is one where I will have my big bucket of popcorn and I and I need to see that in the theater.
1: Well, and I think um, Pacific Rim was I, I had a lot of fun watching that last year um, and Pacific Rim kind of got it just kind of um, wet my appetite for yeah. Godzilla and Brian Cranston is in here yes. from Breaking Bad. Yeah.
0: Can't get enough of him. He's awesome. He's oh, going, I, He's been splashing out a bit since Breaking Bad. Yeah, Yeah. which I'm very happy to see him everywhere.
1: He's done a little TV. He's in Godzilla. He's on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. This this man is uh, he's I think he's just so happy to be not playing Walter White anymore. And he's he's kind of really uh, expanding in range. So um, I'm pumped for Godzilla.
0: I am pumped for that but I am more Pumped for the next film we are going to discuss Wait
1: but did you you just totally Skipped over the amazing Spider-Man 2
0: Oh I wasn't skipping over it It's not I'm excited to see it but I'm not As excited about It as I am about the other One we were going to talk about
1: Well I'm just putting this out there I'm not excited about it at all
0: (laughs) You know what I You know they rebooted the franchise So many times and it's one of those things where I guess I don't really understand why they keep rebooting it because I think that there have been some very solid efforts. I love Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man's awesome. I have been seeing ads. So, do you know that they've been advertising this film like on the U.S. Postal Service trucks?
1: Yeah, <laughs> which
0: yeah, was so, it's so weird to see. Um, it's. But it's really interesting. I may be a little Spider-Man out, but I'm always I'm always a fan of that particular web slainer so i'll i'll see it of course um but, but.
1: I, I like so i like the spider-man universe but i, I want to say the reason i'm not excited for it is um as much as i like andrew garfield as much as i i'm a fan of emma stone i think she's a very talented actress and jamie fox has done some interesting stuff too he's a talented actor uh, the thing is I, I did not like the amazing spider-man i was a fan of uh the, the Tobey uh, mcguire I was a fan of the Tobey Maguire. I loved the first two movies. The reason why they rebooted this is they could not get Sam Remy to make a fourth movie on the timeline they wanted to. I also think Sony probably didn't want to have to pay Tobey Maguire as much money as they would have to instead of... You know, hiring someone else that they can pay less. But there was a there was a, that skateboarding scene in that first movie that I did not enjoy. There was a lot of um, rebooting and retelling the the origin story that I thought was unnecessary. So for those reasons, I'm not that excited about it. Um, I just. Uh, I, I it's really hard for me to get excited about this movie. I well, don't...
0: then we should just move on to talk about a film you are excited to see. Okay, okay. And yeah, that would, be, that and that would re- be X-Men Days of Future Past. Yes, I am um, so excited. I am very excited for this. I I, the, I have seen the trailer, the, the most recent one that came out. Um, it is looking very, very fine. So okay. I cannot wait to see that. And, right. you know, I, I love... I, I love my X-Men films, except for one. So...
1: When I'm kind of having a hard day, I just fire up the first trailer for X-Men Days of Future Past, and it makes me happy. Yes. Um, and so so the, the big reveal for this movie at San Diego Comic-Con, they just... Through the entire cast onto the stage and it's the cast of x-men first class you've got michael fassbender you've got everyone there and then it's the cast of the original x-men series mm-hmm. you've got patrick stewart Ian mckellen um and then the trailer when you finally see that and the scene when you have james mcavoy and patrick stewart kind of looking at each other it is so amazing and this is this is my favorite storyline from X-Men. I love the comic. I love the um, early 90s animated series take on Days of Future Past. Yeah. And now, now we've got a movie version. And they, it looks like they changed a couple of things with Wolverine kind of being the title character going back in time. But that's OK, because I love Wolvie. Um, so well, I,
0: everybody loves Wolverine. And everybody loves Hugh Jackman, too.
1: And it's Brian Singer, the director of the first two X Men movies. Oh, right,
0: and we saw where they totally went wrong in the in the last rendition of uh, the Last Stand was terrible. So
1: oh well, and the Wolverine was not good as well.
0: It wasn't, and I you know I but they redeemed themselves with with First Class. I thought that First Class was a was this really exciting thing to see.
1: Yeah, um, it, had, so, it definitely made a good contribution to the uh, to the franchise. And but
0: but I welcome I definitely welcome a Brian Singer production. And,
1: and I know we've got a ton of other movies to get to. But one thing I want to mention here is both with X-Men and Spider-Man, they're trying to create an Avengers type of cinematic universe here. They've already announced that the next film here is going to be X-Men Apocalypse after Days of Future Past. And. With Spider-Man, they're trying to launch a Venom movie. They're trying to create these other characters. So uh, it's you know it's going to be interesting to see if Days of Future Past and Spider-Man Two do well because they're there's definitely we're going to see more of these characters and more of this uh, these universes.
0: Right. Um, through the middle part of the summer, I actually am not really excited to see anything until July. Like there's. Some Tom Cruise film coming out, The Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of
1: Tomorrow, yeah, which looks like just...
0: Another Tom Cruise film.
1: Yeah, and the trailer is pretty confusing. It's kind of got this Groundhog Day premise where Tom Cruise relives these different days in his life, but it's very unclear and confusing what is actually happening. Um, I saw Oblivion last year, his last... Uh, sci-fi movie, and it was very pretty. And I love the sound effects—not uh, the sound effects. I'm sorry. I love the score. However, it lacked a lot of substance, I think, and it it, it evoked a lot of other sci-fi films. It didn't have much original stuff to offer. So uh, I'm hoping Edge of Tomorrow is better, but and I'm not. I'm not optimistic.
0: I'm not convinced. And I mean, uh, How to Train Your Dragon Two is coming out, and I did really like the first film. I just think especially with animated films. Why do a sequel, really? I don't know. I know you, I know how you feel about Monsters University. I do. But <laughs> I, I just, you know, I thought that that was a film that could just, an animated film that could just stand alone. You don't need to do a sequel. Um, but I will, you know, I will definitely watch this with my nephew and my niece.
1: Well, um, and speaking of films that might not need a sequel, we've got Transformers 4 <laughs> coming out.
0: <laughs> That is verboten. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so this is a bit of a reboot for the Transformers franchise. Um they've changed the cast. Mark Wahlberg is now the lead here. What? No uh, Shia? Mm. No Shia. Um I I think they that was a very smart choice on Michael's Bay's behalf after the meltdown uh, the the PR meltdown Shia had last year with the whole uh plagiarism stuff and then his apology which was also a plagiarism apology um but that's a different episode in itself uh I mean we get Dinobots and um that's cool I guess uh you know I I don't you know, know what, what you're this feelings? is
0: this is the thing the first Transformers film when I saw the trailers, I was very excited. I, y- yes, it is definitely a popcorn film, but some of some of those scenes where they have uh, like the the re- just the the rendering of the of the Transformers um running down the highway, yeah, with those highway chase scenes were absolutely beautiful. Oh and yeah, they definitely, you know, for me, they were like this is what they should look like. But then that's pretty much all it was and it just I don't think that there needs to be four of them but you know people love Transformers they love GoBots they love Decepticons (laughs) they love Dinobots
1: well we'll see if they love Dinobots I think they will Um, of course they will I enjoyed the first one. Um, the second one was horrible. I think, uh, uh, Roger Ebert had the, had a great review. I'm just paraphrasing it here, but he said, um, in, forget about seeing the movie. If you want to see that same quality of action, just take two frying pans and kind of mash them against each other. And that's what a lot of the action sequences look like in, uh, Transformers, uh, Revenge of the Fallen. Dark of the Moon was, uh, such a bad movie and it's so unfortunate because they got Leonard Nimoy back to voice, um, one of the, the villains and that was kind of a throwback to the original animated movie. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a lot of faith that this Transformers four is going to offer us anything more than what we've already seen. So
0: yeah, perhaps, um, but you know, perhaps in other other film franchises, I don't know if it's a franchise yet. Well, yes, yes, it totally is. It's, um, still a it's totally a franchise. It's totally a franchise. But um, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is going to be coming out. In oh,
1: July. oh my god! I am very excited. I'm so, about excited. It. I'm so excited. Now, what do you,
0: <laughs> I actually really liked Rise of the Planet of the Apes? I, I definitely think I I can understand why some people were bothered by some some of the um overuse of of c g <laughs> um but it it was a great story. i thought it was had a lot of those little moments for the fans
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and there a was just of those,
1: the the shuttle launching
0: yeah no right. it was fantastic um i really i thought it was well done um uh, a, and I really enjoyed watching it i i definitely i wish some of it looked a little bit better but I have a feeling that this, uh, the sequel is going to be really good. And so if I'm wrong, I, I will be sad, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic.
1: I, um, I, I liked Dawn of the Planet Apes, um, uh, for, for the most part. I, I think the rise? story for, yeah. Wait, what's is that? this
0: Rise or is this Dawn.
1: Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm, I liked Rise of the Planet Apes for the most part. You're, you're right. Dawn is a new one coming out. Um, with Rise, I thought, like you said, they honored the franchise very well. And you're kind of left thinking, wait, is this a reboot? Mm-hmm. Or does this fit in in the original's continuity? Like, who knows? Um, and that was kind of fun and interesting. I honestly think I, the ape storylines were better than the human storylines. Oh, yeah, the they were much part. better. Yeah, and and it was, that was, but
0: I thought that that the funny thing about that was that it was almost like well they're already winning, <laughs> <laughs> like their storylines well, are so much more interesting, and in
1: that way it was it was almost like it was that was the brilliance of this reboot was um it's from the perspective of the apes and the villains are the humans and you see that with um with some of the you know um, when um. Caesar says no, and that moment he says no, you're rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Um and that's why I'm more excited for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I love this franchise. I love all the original movies. Even the really second one the second weird one. I love that with the super intelligent people that look like they're from that original Star Trek, the original series uh <laughs> uh pilot. Um I love the weirdness and wackiness of those originals. And um the CG I have a lot of faith in. Uh a good friend of mine, Colin Blaney. Um, works in um advertising and they they recently just won like a, an award that's equivalent to the oscars for for commercials for a commercial that they created um for uh PETA that involved an ape we'll put the link in the sh- in the show notes and it's it's a cg ape and it's grappling with uh captivity and it's is a suicidal ape and it's really just very touching how they do that. And that's just a few years of advancement in computer generated imagery. So I think Dawn is going to have even more, uh, yeah, more convincing effects. And not only is Andy Serkis returning to play Caesar, but okay. you have Gary Oldman. Gary I know, or- Gary
0: Oldman. And
1: Carrie Russell, who um, from Felicity, <laughs> she's in here. So um, I think also the Americans. Yeah, yeah, also from the Americans. I think, um, I think it's going to be interesting. So, the director is from Cloverfield, mm-hmm. which um, kind of made me nauseous, but I thought it was an interesting film. Um, I'm very optimistic about this movie.
0: Yeah. Well, we will, time will tell. Yeah. Um, now, the uh, Wachowskis have a film coming out called Jupiter Ascending, um, and it is starring Mila Kunis. And I saw a trailer for this recently, and um, it it's I'm not sure what to think of this, quite honestly.
1: <laughs> I think that captures how I feel too. I saw that trailer, and it looked great. Um, she's, but it's all- I mean,
0: she's basically the whole premise of this film is that there's this drudge um, named Jupiter, and she cleans toilets, and she she's down on her luck. But apparently she is actually the princess of the universe or something like that. she a princess of power? Who knows?
1: <laughs>
0: but, I mean, the visuals look pretty impressive. I'm just not sure that this is a storyline that's going to... Um, that is going to be something that I will enjoy. But, I mean, yeah. but it does look beautiful. Like, and the battle scenes look impressive.
1: Well, and that's that's the thing, right? That's the thing about summer blockbusters is these trailers, besides having all the wah effect, they have those astounding visual images and they almost always look good. Um, But but, then they
0: start to a little bit look the same.
1: Yeah, they start to look the same. And this one does sound
0: like the wah.
1: So. <laughs> this one reminded me a little bit of uh of the fifth album element and a little bit of its style it also reminded me a little bit of cloud atlas the the and it's from the same team this is from the wachowskis who did the matrix the matrix sequels v for vendetta speed racer cloud atlas and i was not a huge fan of cloud atlas um didn't really, um, didn't like that movie as much. Um, I, I'm hoping this is a good one, but it's such an interesting cast too. Mila Kunis, who I who I really do think is is uh, pretty talented, and then Shannon Tatum, who I oh, think you, is, oh,
0: you think she's talented, Ollie. Uh,
1: yes, I do. I think she's a very very talented <laughs> actress. She's also a huge Trekkie. She is. She, she is. She I think loves, she's great.
0: I'm just teasing you.
1: She loves Star Trek Voyager at Deep Space Nine, and she, like me, agrees that DS9 is underrated. Um, But oh my gosh, I need to stop talking about that. Yes. Um, So we need
0: to keep going, my friend. We've got a lot to to motor through because we're not even at the crossover
1: yet. We're not at the crossover. So uh, Jupiter ascending, we'll see. next? Nice
0: (laughs) wrap. Well, we've got Hercules with the rock. I think enough said um I know, then, film, I know nothing
1: so, about this uh, i know nothing about it
0: other than that the rocks in it so it will probably be very successful okay, um yeah. but um but what i actually really want to talk about is um guardians of the galaxy
1: yes um, i am so pumped for this
0: i you know i honestly when i first heard that they were coming out with this i really didn't think I was like, oh that how are they gonna even do that? And yeah. and this is not good, a good idea. And then I saw the trailer and I actually was laughing throughout it and it looks great. So Oh
1: yeah. I mean you've I mean, got
0: you've got like uh you've got the raccoon and uh Bradley okay, Cooper.
1: Who Bra- who voices it? Is it uh, It's Vin Bradley Diesel? Cooper. Bradley Cooper. Yep. That's right. Yeah.
0: And then you've got um Vin Diesel playing the yeah. talking tree. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Zoe Saldana, who can honestly play anything, if you ask
1: I am it. also a big fan of hers. Yeah, I think she's a very best. talented actress. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zoe Saldana is the most underrated actress of
0: so, all. So I mean, so it looks like they're having a lot of fun and they're playing around with it. So I, I, I'm optimistic about this much more so than when I first saw or heard yeah,
1: about it. You know, the, our title lead here is Chris Pratt, and I, I think this. This is going to tap into a lot of different things. The um, the Marvel Studios execs, they like to talk about how each of their films, they tap into different genres. And um, uh, Captain America, this is supposed to be like an international political thriller. And Guardians of the Galaxy is their big space opera. But they're doing kind of a they're flipping it around a little bit where I think we're going to see a little bit of a firefly element. Yeah. Kind of these, these, uh, these kind of outlaws kind of doing their own thing. We're going to see a lot of humor and that's very clear in the trailer. Um, and it's, I think it's going to mix together some genres. You know, I'm a, i am I am my favorite genre is science fiction. And this is Marvel studios going into their most geeky sci-fi cosmic elements. This is also our final film before Avengers two age of Ultron. So this is definitely going to set that up. I think we're going to see Thanos here who, um, uh, was the, the second ending or the first ending from the original Avengers. Um, It's going to get cosmic, it's going to get geeky, and I think it's going to be a ton of fun.
0: I agree. Not so optimistic for the next (laughs) film.
1: Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Is it going to work as a movie? We'll find out.
0: I don't know. It looks a little creepy. They look creepy, but... You know, I, <laughs> I know that you're going to make me see this. So, well, um,
1: I, I mean, this was my childhood. I loved me too. Uh, I,
0: I love them too. I just, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works. It doesn't look to, as convincing to me, but, um, but I, for you, Ali, I will go and watch this. But
1: hold on, hold on. Okay. I gotta, I gotta stop you right here. Do, does the original film... That the one I loved so much, um, and then the secret, the sequel, which is Secret of the Ooze. Do those hold up?
0: No, and I, you know, but I was, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I liked my action uh, figures. I didn't like the, look, you know, what I liked. Is, I liked the animated series.
1: Oh, the animated series is great.
0: Like I loved that. I just didn't like the, the live action.
1: Um, the thing I got to mention here: this is um, this is produced. By Michael Bay.
0: Yes, it is
1: right. So I mean, we're, Michael Bay has his fingerprints over the summer with uh, Transformers Four and Ninja Turtles. So I feel like you,
0: I feel like Michael Bay does a lot of hmm. What childhood toy was amazing? And what can I put my <laughs> hands all over and and you know exploit? Oh wait, Transformers now. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What what will be next?
1: Um, I am scared to say it because i i I worry that he might be listening and will follow my advice and that'll be bad
0: okay well then don't let the cat out of the bag i won't um going to gloss over into the storm yet another disaster porn film
1: that that trailer looks so so
0: ridiculous there there are many many planes flying if you thought it's sort of like it's
1: a sci-fi channel movie
0: yeah it is but it's also like do you remember the the film twister
1: yeah i love twister
0: it's like somebody was like wait they like twister. Let's give them like five tornadoes. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so that's kind of what it looks like to me. And um, tornadoes with fire. Yes, yes. Um but um yeah, that is one I will probably skip, but But
1: I know one you're not going to skip is Sin City, that is a game kill for.
0: Yes, no. I loved I loved Sin City. I thought that that was an amazing. It looked amazing. I'm curious to see what they do with this because at the time as you, you know, this is now going back several years and they've had some advances in, in CG and, and in filmmaking. So we'll see what they do with it. Um, but it looks like it's I mean, they have Jessica Alba back. Um, Joseph, they have Josh Joseph Brolin.
1: So, I mean, it's also the same team. Um, you've got Frank Miller back on this project, and Robert Rodriguez back as well. And the big question for me is: Is this going to work ten years after the original came out?
0: I, you know, I think that there's a lot of fans of that comic. It's a dark one. I, I try to separate what I think about Frank Miller because he said, you know, I don't agree with a lot of the things that he said, and. You know, in in the press and things that I don't want to go to, into it here and draw attention to that. But, um, I I thought that the first w- was really beautiful. I think that there's enough fodder for this to be successful, and of course, I I love Mr. Rodriguez a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> I have faith that he's going to make this work.
1: So that wraps up the summer, right?
0: That does. So there's actually a lot that I'm looking forward to and a lot more than than I had been last summer. So So I'm I'm pretty excited.
1: Here's what here's what I'd like to do. Um, I want to know what our top three picks are of the summer. And then after we wrap up the summer, I want to revisit that and see, see, see if things matched up. So what what are what do you think are going to be your top three favorite films of this summer?
0: I would say they're going to be X-Men, Godzilla, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes.
1: I'm going with X-Men. I think it's going to be my number one. It's also going to crush me if it's not good. Um, I'm going to go with number two is Guardians of the Galaxy. And I'm going to wrap that up with number three being Dawn of the Planet of the Apes.
0: All right. Well, we we will come back and compare later.
1: We shall see.
0: Do you have time for an incredibly tiny crossover chamber?
1: Let's do a small crossover. We're going uh, to...
0: Let's hear those well, mini okay. crossover Did doors. I like the sound of that.
1: <laughs> We're in the crossover, folks. We are debating uh, Steven Spielberg versus Michael Bay. The question, dear listeners, today is who makes the better summer blockbuster?
0: Yes. Um, and I guess that depends on what your definition of, of blockbuster is. I think based upon what we have been talking about in the first part of the this show, it's probably evident where I come out on this. <laughs> um, but I don't know. This is a this is a tough crossover for me because, yes, I know Michael Bay has, gets a lot of flack for his huge explosions and things like that, that he does with his films. And people feel like they're very empty. But I also think a lot of people must like those films as a summer blockbuster. Um, so and he's pretty unapologetic. <laughs> about The type of film he makes. So well, um, you're
1: you t- sharing something with me about um, what he says about the summer movies he makes. Right.
0: Oh, uh, at some point, you know, people he would respond to criticism by saying, um, you know, that that. Oh, like something is something about the fact that he uh he makes movies for teenage boy what a crime that is or something like that and <laughs> i mean you know i i think that he could probably do a lot better but he he obviously has a way that he likes to make films and they don't involve a lot of script writing
1: so here's here's something i want to point out so if you go to box office mojo and if you look at um, the cumulative totals of the amount of money that Steven Spielberg's films have made versus Michael Bay's, now Steven Spielberg's his average take on um, uh, uh, on a film, the amount of money his films make, is about one hundred fifty three million dollars. Now, if you round up, it's one hundred fifty three and nine hundred twenty two thousand, whatever. Let's say it's one hundred fifty four million um per per film. Um Michael Bay 189 million. Um and if we round his up it's about 190. So he already makes more his movies on average make more. But the more interesting thing here, lifetime gross, Steven Spielberg is about 4 billion dollars his movies. My, but that's with 27 films right. with only 10 films. Michael Bay has about two billion dollars. Right. So Michael Bay, basically, I think we can say his movies make a ton of money and his movies. We can we can argue make more money than Steven Spielberg's.
0: Well, maybe I guess the thing is, is that and I've obviously I've watched Michael Bay films, The Rock, um, The Rock, like, Armageddon. Know. Armageddon, all these films. Bad
1: Boys, the, uh, the Island, Transformers.
0: And some of them have these moments and you're just like, okay, you're you're just a ridiculous man, Michael Bay. But, you know, the movies that really stick with me are the Spielberg films. And those really make me think of Summer. They make me think of, uh, you know, they actually make me think. Um, and <laughs> so, but they are also fun. There's, It's not like they're just always super heavy films or something like that. Um,
1: Jaws, and, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Ark, E.T. Raiders the, of
0: the Lost Ark, Ollie.
1: <laughs> yeah, Jurassic Park, Hook. Right. Uh, and there's, he,
0: I mean, I just think that he... Minority Report. There's this level of filmmaking that he does, and and it's just, obviously, he's Spielberg. And and you're not going to touch that artistry. But um, And I know some people say that he's overly sentimental about certain things, but I would take that over the the vapid shallowness of of a vacuum that that Michael Bay creates but well and
1: let's if we look at the quality of the films to from an objective measure, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes and you look at the ratings of Steven Spielberg's films, he has very few that are um, rotten movies. Right. Most of his are guaranteed fresh, meaning they've got uh, the critics in general really like them. If you go to uh, Michael Bay's Rotten Tomato page, he has only one film that is considered fresh, and that's The Rock. All the other films have been panned by critics. But here's here's my question to you, dear dear uh fellow nerdlink. Michael Bay's movies not as well critically acclaimed. P- uh, critics don't like them. Yet he makes a ton a boatload of money. Why?
0: Well, because I think people do I, as I said before, there is a place for that that film where you want to just not even you want the mindless entertainment. You want to like just go and have fun. And, and that's it. And you just want to have this experience where you're watching big explosions and thinking, oh, that's such a cool effect. And then you leave and that's it. Yeah. And I mean, that has a mass appeal. And I will, to, to Michael Bay's credit, he does do pretty good explosion.
1: Uh, they're beautiful explosions. Gosh, the rock, the explosions in the rock are some of my favorite explosions ever.
0: Right. So, I mean, I well, and, in the in the I crossover think, for me, it's always going to come out Spielberg. But I do understand the, the Bay appeal or I understand why he's so successful.
1: I, so I, I'm going to be um, I need to be a bit of a devil's advocate here. And while I agree with you that my favorite films here are the Spiel, Spielberg films, and you'll, you'll see that in my top five, um, I think you you. You just spoke to something really important here, and as we began the show and we talked about the business purpose of a blockbuster is to be a tentpole is to be a guaranteed success is to bring in boatloads of money and now increasingly it 's to be international it 's to work in lots of markets it 's to not um, it 's to not uh, um, lose any audience internationally it 's to be able to to be so the lowest common denominator that everyone in the world will go see it. And if you look at just the data of how much money is brought in and how well these movies do internationally, Michael Bay makes the better summer blockbuster. That doesn't necessarily mean he's making a better movie. I but hate I,
0: the term lowest common denominator, Ollie.
1: Well, I think it's a term that fits the Terminator movies, or no, I'm sorry, the Transformer movies. Well, I think the, we're going to have to agree
0: <laughs> to disagree here.
1: Let us know, dear listeners, um, who who wins this debate? Um, is it Spielberg or Michael Bay who makes the better summer blockbuster? Um, let us know. And I expect to get lots of uh, angry tweets.
0: About I'm sure I'm sure we will. <laughs> um, should we exit the crossover? We shall exit the tiny crossover tuber. boop boop. And are you that was a good one. Are you ready for for our top 5?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So we've got a uh top 5 summer blockbuster films. You know, our original idea was to do top 5 summer blockbuster seasons and then rate which summers were the best. But then we both agreed that since we're so bad at managing our time, that episode would be would become 5 hours long.
0: Mhm. Um That's true. That's true.
1: So how did you, um, how did, what was your criteria for ranking your top five?
0: I mean, I had a lot that I had to narrow down. And basically I tried to pick films where I had that level of just anticipation and excitement to see these films in the theater. And I remember seeing them in the theater. Mm -hmm. And there was this just... This anticipation, um, a lot of uh, you know, definitely there's a few on this list that I saw with my siblings, um, and you know, actually quite a few. There, there's a couple of that I had special experiences watching them because of the people that I was with watching them. But these were the ones that just stick with me in terms of the experience.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I went for basically just fun. And um, movies that I've uh, the the other criteria here for me was if the movie's on TV, I just end up watching it, (laughs) you know, it's so it's it's the fun. It's also a little bit of the social memories um, and just uh, how much these movies continue, continue to be fun for me.
0: Right. And I have to say that I am going to just just as a matter of course, I have to. Because we just talked about it so much. I am leaving Jaws off this list. Obviously, it is my number one of all time, but I can't, I can't put place this here because this was not a film that I had seen in the theater, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that factors into my top five as well and what I consider honorable mention. Okay. Um, So with that, what's your number five?
0: My number five is Jurassic Park. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's my number two,
0: ah, all right, well, we can talk very you know i I don't know how you felt, but I remember when I saw the trailers for this, and I remember the minute that the dinosaurs walked on screen in in the while while I was watching this in the theater, and the reaction of the audience yeah. and it was just so exciting to make dinosaurs walk basically, and this was just such a great film and I really just for that anticipation, and it, you know, we we rewatched this actually. We had this as one of our movie nights, I think, last summer, and mm-hmm. everybody came to this movie night <laughs> because they wanted to watch <laughs> Jurassic Park. So it was, and it and it held up pretty well. I mean, you definitely now I would say the CG is so much more advanced, but it still it still does a pretty good job.
1: I think it it holds up extremely well. And that's a movie where I remember uh, waiting for the end of school year so I could go see it. It came out on our last day of school. Oh, you're um, so
0: young. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, but it, yeah, no, it it definitely. And, you know, the storyline, the idea that there's like a secret island of dinosaurs somewhere. That's just oh, yeah. too much. You know, you
1: want that to exist. And um it's, it's a movie that um, you were talking about seeing the dinosaurs for the first time um, you know it makes me think of when Superman came out and the idea that you will believe a man can fly and I think it's a similar sort of idea here that you will believe that dinosaurs roam the earth now and um, that's how I felt when I saw Jurassic Park and the music is beautiful I think the, the I, I saw it last year when it was re-released in 3D in IMAX and it was beautiful in IMAX. It was gorgeous. I thought it held up extremely well. Um, It's also one of those major blockbusters that led to many sequels. And we've got a new Jurassic Park coming out next year. It led to a ride. It led to a lot of that kind of stuff that we saw um, with summer blockbusters and what they've evolved into in more more into these marketing properties and we saw this first kind of with the tim burton batman movie but Mm -hmm. jurassic park had a massive cultural impact and it's a film that still brings me a ton of joy when i watch it now
0: cool what is your number five then
1: uh my number five is pirates of the caribbean curse of the black (laughs) that is
0: my number four (laughs)
1: Right. <laughs> All right, we're getting a little, a little, little
0: semi mind meld. Okay. S-
1: semi mind meld. Our, our minds are melding in some kind of strange way. Um, so uh, this was a film that I, I I was so doubtful of. I remember seeing the trailer and thinking, wait, wait, wait. I turned to my friend and I'm like, wait, is that based on the Disney ride? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, this is going to be stupid. And it was the teaser. It wasn't even the trailer. So we didn't get to see Johnny Depp yet or any of that. Yeah. Um and I, you know, I, I grew up playing um, some of those LucasArts games. Uh, my favorite was Monkey Island, and it was all about this pirating adventure. And I, um, I liked, I just liked that genre. And uh, we hadn't seen a really good pirate film in a long time. And then I went to go see Pirates of the Caribbean and had, oh, so much fun watching well, that Well, it film. was so
0: much fun. Johnny Depp was amazing. Orlando Bloom <laughs> yeah. was fun. Car- you know, everybody was just great in it. And it was. It was silly and fun. And you know what? People love pirates and they love pirate ships.
1: Yep. Yep. And um, to 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 think that it came from a ride and it kind of on, not only honored the ride, but ended up being a good film is is really cool. But what's interesting about both of these picks, Conrad, the sequels not as good. You know, these become giant properties right. and we're getting more and more of these movies. And it's it's interesting where they start out with as being good quality films. And the sequels continue to bring in boatloads of money. But the quality is just not not the oh, same. Right,
0: and they're just kind of riding on the coattails of the first film. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So what was your number four then?
1: All right. My number four is 2002's Spider-Man. Oh. Now. I, I mentioned earlier that I was a fan of the original movies, and um, Spider-Man was, I believe, the third major Marvel Marvel character movie. Now, I don't mean Marvel Studios, because they didn't exist back then, but we had Blade, we had X-Men, and then we had Spider-Man. And Spider-Man was... Um, it was the movie we needed that year. This, is, this was the first summer movie season post-9-11, and... Spider-Man, I think, gave us exactly the type of escapist entertainment that the country needed. Um, I remember I saw this with my friend and we we snuck in um, all this food in in our cargo pants into to see in this movie. And we had just so much fun watching it. Um, I really enjoyed I enjoyed everything about it. Um, It was the right movie at the right time.
0: All right. Uh, so, number, my number four was Pirates. Uh, yep. Number three, my number three was X Men, the 2000 X Men, because I was so excited to see this film. And I was so excited that Brian Singer was directing it. And I really, I actually got tickets to go see it at the Ziegfeld. Wow. And uh one Brian, of my favorite theaters And Brian in your singer state. was there, <laughs> so what? What? yeah, he was just hanging out like kind of talking to people in line and just really excited that people were lining up to see his film and it was um it was this great experience, and I went in with some of my friends, and we the the whole audience was just so charged to see this film and wow. When the first characters came out when you were see when you were seeing um um just the Wolverine and and Rogue and professor Xavier, everybody was just it just so excited no people were vocal in a good way. <laughs>
1: Wow.
0: And so it was so much fun to see this in the film and to see these characters realized and I know some you know there're super fans that have a problem with how Brian Snyder condensed and changed some of the storylines but I honestly think that he produced a film that made these characters accessible to the masses and it was also true to the the you know the basis of the, the storyline. So Yeah. Yeah. So that is why it is my number 3. Number 3 for you?
1: Well I, I enjoyed X-Men as well. Um I like X2 better. X2 is my favorite. Um but I mean Seeing Brian Singer at the theater, I think that would make it my number. That would put it on my list too. So, uh, my number three is a very big guilty pleasure of mine, um, and that is Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: thought about putting it on the list, and it's a fun one. But uh, yeah, I hear you. It's
1: you knew I was going to put this on my list. I had a feeling I mean, you might. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like you would have put it on your list because you thought I'd be putting it on my list. So um, that's
0: not how. How I work? Uh,
1: well, you know, sometimes we have um, mind melds that are inadvertent mind melds. Um, I, I really enjoyed Independence Day. I, uh, it, similar to um, to Jurassic Park, um, I remember the lead up to it, the excitement about it, the trailers for it, the action figures that came out in advance. Um, there was a lot of hype around this movie. And, um, it didn't disappoint for me. I, it had a lot of those crowd pleasing moments, and I still get. I still get emotional when I hear um, that presidential speech. Uh, Today we celebrate our Independence Day. Um, That it really gets me. Uh, And there's this great YouTube video of this guy just going around New York City reciting the speech, which we'll put in the show notes. I love watching that. (laughs) Um, You know, it's 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 the movie I alluded to where when you start thinking about it, it breaks down like the whole idea that you can use an Apple laptop and. It'll connect over some type of Wi-Fi connection to an alien ship and transmit a virus that takes the whole uh, that takes all the aliens down. It's really stupid. Of
0: course it is, um, but it's, it's fun so and it has Jeff Goldblum
1: fun. in it. It has a whoa, 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 wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's got Jeff Goldblum in it. That's really exciting. That's really interesting interesting he's awesome in that movie um and he's that's just coming out um i think a year or two after he was in jurassic park so he was kind of all the rage
0: capitalizing on all this this stuff so
1: yeah yeah it's it's a that movie if it's on tv i can't stop watching it i must i need to watch it immediately
0: (laughs) so um also you can't possibly be partial to this film because of uh a certain special appearance, right?
1: Are you talking about uh, Brett Spiner?
0: That would be what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about, yes. Yeah, so Brett
1: Spiner who plays Data. Oh,
0: you thought uh, I was going to let that sneak by, I- huh?
1: Well, I thought I didn't know if you're going to go for Brett Spiner or if you're going to go for Mary McDonnell. Now, Mary McDonnell. Yes,
0: yes, yes. Battlestar, of course.
1: She's in that film. And that the way she played the First Lady was the inspiration for who they wanted to play the president for Battlestar Galactica. They said, we need a Mary McDonnell type from Independence Day. They're like, well, why don't we ask her? And she's like, okay. And so (laughs) that's what happened.
0: That's history was made. Uh, Number two for you.
1: Um. Wait. Your number three was
0: my number three was X Men.
1: X Men. Okay. My number two was Jurassic Park.
0: Oh. Oh. That's right. I forgot about.
1: about. That. So your number two is
0: my number two is Star Trek 2009.
1: I thought you were gonna put this on the list too. Yeah. So um, I didn't.
0: I'm surprised you didn't. But you know, this was one of those films where I I was actually very worried. I trusted oh, yeah. <laughs> I trusted J.J. J. Abrams, but I was very worried because I just didn't – I I had faith that he would do a good job, but it was just one of those films that I cared a little bit too much about, how it was going to show up on uh, – like, like, what was he going to do? Is he going to do a total copy? Is he going to do a real reboot? How are these characters going to – are they going to stay true to my – what I hold near and dear in terms of the Star Trek universe? and you know i think that hands down he he was very successful from the beginning i saw this film twice in the in the theater and i have you
1: beat i saw it three times
0: okay uh yeah once
1: once at cape canaveral nice
0: oh well that you definitely (laughs) have me beat then um but i just thought that the filmmaking was great the script was great the actors did a fantastic job and they really just, the, they they were true to the characters, but they made them their own as well, which is very hard to do. And yeah. I mean, I know, I know Nguyen is fond of, of Chris Pine.
1: <laughs> Bad she is.
0: Um, And I do, I think he did a great job at his Kirk and it was still unique Kirk from, from William Shatner's. And it was the storyline was interesting. The filmmaking was great. I know he get he got some flack for all the lens flare, but it is J.J. Abrams. So you're going to get lens flare. Um,
1: you know, I, I agree with you on all those counts. It's hard for me to think of Star Trek as a blockbuster film. Um, but it
0: is. It was.
1: Yeah. yeah and it's um, I, I, I enjoyed all of it. I think Zachary Quinto was amazing as Spock. Um, you know, it, it, I can go on and on about it. Um I I didn't put it on this list because I'd like to have a deeper discussion about Star Trek at some point. Um, but I, I support it. I, that's a good pick.
0: Um, But yeah, that's why it was number two. It's just, you know, and I really enjoyed watching this in the theater. I, Bill and I went to see it and we went to see it twice. I think Bill did see it three times as well, but not all three <laughs> times with me. <laughs> so... Um, but so we are on to number one.
1: Number one, Summer Blockbuster. What is yours? Oh, okay. I have to go first. Can no, you I'll go, go first? first.
0: I'm happy to go first. Okay. I am absolutely happy to go first. So my number one is Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, uh, but the reason why it is number one is that I, um, my cousin um, loved this film, had seen this film, and I was pretty young when this came out. And he just kept talking and talking about it because he would come and stay with us for the summer, mm-hmm. talking and talking and talking about it. And we were driving back from some, I feel like we were driving back from seeing my grandmother in upstate New York or something like that. And we happened to go by probably one of the only drive th- drive-in movies theaters left. And it was really late at night and for us because we were little kids. And my cousin saw <laughs> that it was a double feature, and it was uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Dragon Slayer.
1: Oh, wow. And this That's is a how, good double feature. And this
0: is how cool my mom was. My mom was just like, you know, okay, let's go and watch this. Yes. And it was late. I mean, it was very late at night, and I just remember it being so much fun. It, I It's the first drive-thru I think I'd ever been to, and... I was obsessed with Ra- Dragon Slayer, not so much, but Raiders of the Lost Ark was awesome, except for it, the snake scenes for me. But you know, snakes—it was. Uh, I, I really do hate snakes. Um, <laughs> but it was this just great adventure. It, I just loved the the character of Indiana Jones. I I think I recall. Well, no, I I don't think I recall. I know that my brothers and I basically went home and were. We're playing Indiana Jones for like the rest of the summer, Um, and it was just such a great experience. So that's that is what I personally associate summer blockbuster with.
1: That's a good pick. You know, Indiana Jones is such a such a great and interesting character, and I love that it's celebrating a guy who's not just who can't just punch and kick and beat up um uh nazis but i he's love also, how you
0: almost just said zombies that was pretty cool i
1: almost did say zombie. yeah yeah I'm glad you got that you've been
0: hanging out uh, with me too long i
1: know i know um but he's also a scientist he's a smart guy he's a professor he ha- he's a professor <laughs> he's got he's got um he's a professor at like university of chicago right he's got this um this fantastic mix of all these skills. Um, he's a great hero. Harrison Ford did a fantastic job but in this role. But his physical comedy
0: is also amazing. Yeah. You know, it's fun. It is a fun film, but it's also a smart film. And it's, you know, I, I, I think that the first film is my favorite still. Uh, Raiders yeah. is definitely my favorite. I I have enjoyed some of the other ones, but this was this is the one that really did it for me.
1: I'm surprised you didn't put Kingdom of the Crystal Skull on here. (laughs) The silence is deafening. That was a joke. I was being sarcastic. I hate that movie. Mm -hmm. Um, My number one pick um, is a movie that um, I I have never seen a movie in the theater this many times as many times as I've seen this movie, and it's also one of the. one of one of my earlier summer blockbuster films. I saw it when I was uh, younger, and it just really lived on in my mind for a long time. Continues to, and that's Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Um, th- I saw this film seven times in the movie theater. Oh my
0: gosh! Really?
1: With yeah, I saw it seven times in the movie theater with my brother.
0: I think I saw and, it twice.
1: Oh. I I loved this film. I still love this film. And there's a few reasons for it. Um, the first one is my brother and I, we're uh, grown up. He's the guy who got me into science fiction. He's the guy who's at the core of my geek origin story. And we watched the first Terminator movie all the time on VHS. Um, actually, I think it was a VHS recording of it showing on TV or something. Because I don't remember any of the nudity or any of that until I was until I saw it as an adult, and I'm like, wait, I don't remember these scenes. Um, so I watched it a lot, and then um, the thing with Terminator Two, it had this amazing advertising where everyone went into the movie thinking Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator is the bad guy, like he was in the first Terminator film, and. It's there's a there's an amazing moment early on where John Connor, who's now, you know, this kind of punk kid, um, he's getting chased by the police officer who you think might be a good character because he's a police officer, but you're not sure. But, you know, it's kind of confusing. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger's T-100 is coming down. And then that's the moment where the, the police officer, the T-1000, tries to kill John Connor. Arnold Schwarzenegger utters those famous words, come with me if you want to leave. And that was such an awesome reveal for me. That um, is an awesome it, choice. Ah. Uh, oh. It's, and it's a movie that I, it's one of those early movies that I remember having an impact on me in terms of thinking about, um, you know, the whole idea of no fate and what we make and uh, free will and ideas around free will. I thought those ideas were really interesting. And um, I, I just, um, Really, really enjoyed that film a lot. Kept going back to it over and over again. I I still love the franchise, even with Terminator Salvation. I saw it. I saw it in the theater. I knew it was bad. I got. I knew it had bad reviews. But I just I have a fondness for this franchise. And it, it's because of these first two Terminator films. And the second one is my favorite.
0: Cool. Well, all right, honorable all right, let's, mentions. Let's do
1: some rapid fire honorable mentions.
0: Very rapid fire. I'm just going to go with three Die Hard, Ghostbusters, and Back to the Future.
1: Those are all a really good picks. Um I've got The Dark Knight, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Rock, and The Wrath of Khan. Cool. Die uh, The Dark Dark Knight is in there because it's a little bit darker. Um Indiana Jones is honorable mention because I never saw it in the theater, but I love the film. The Rock is just Really cool. And Wrath of Khan, I never saw in the theater. But if I did, it would have been awesome.
0: Cool. All right. Do you want to spin us out?
1: Do, 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 do. Next time, join us for a discussion on Captain America um, and come see me live at WonderCon in just a few weeks from now. I'll be talking about the psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars. Um, Conrad, where can people find you on the Internet?
0: On the interwebs, they can find me. I am on Twitter at DiePrince and on my other podcast, which is all about things that are undead generally zombies and that's reanimatedpodcast.com. and on twitter we are reanimated pcast
1: and i am on twitter at ali matu you can also find me at brain knows better where i am the science fiction psychologist and um you can find the super fantastic nerd hour on twitter as well at nerd hour and on our website at uh, superfantasticnerdhour.com. dot uh, com. With that, um, enjoy the summer movies and live long and prosper.
0: Indeed.